on PM Express, a conversation about Ghana's fate as her official creditors meet to discuss restructuring some $5.4 billion in loans to the country. That's a key step needed to secure its next tranche of funding from the International Monetary Fund. On Monday, the meeting ended without a cut-off date, which will inform the actual restructuring. Today, it's continued. We do not know the outcome of that meeting. If you've been following the conversations around this, uh, though, you will realize that there are those who want the cut-off date to be uh, from 2020, whilst others feel that because Ghana did not apply when she had the opportunity to apply for the cut-off date, uh, the cut-off should be uh, in November 2022. So what are the implications of all of this? Let's see how far we've come with this. And I'll start by telling you what the meeting was all about. So it was expected to focus on an agreement about a cut-off date, the date after which new loans from bilateral creditors will not be restructured. Now, the bilateral lenders, uh, they include governments of China, France, who co-chair the official creditor committee, and they hold around a quarter of Ghana's $20 billion external debt earmarked for restructuring. There seem to be no concrete agreement from Ghana's official creditors. Assurances from official creditors is a necessity, actually, in securing the next uh, disbursement of $600 million from the IMF. Remember, this, uh, I mean, for the first uh, tranche, that was in 2023, we had an amount that was supposed to be disbursed. We had only $600 million. And there's a second tranche that needs to follow, which we're talking about. Ghana is hoping to obtain debt relief by seeking to rework some $5.4 billion of its bilateral debt. Now, let's see how the debt rework, I mean, I'm just giving you an example so debt servicing cut-off date was reset from January 1, 1983 to June 2019-99. The remaining amounts were rescheduled over 23 years with six years of grace. Now, Ghana's debt service due to Paris Club creditors between February 1, 2002 and November 30, 2002 from uh, 207 million U.S. dollars to 46 million U.S. dollars. So this is what we're talking about. If there's a cutoff point for Ghana in this meeting, we're talking about there will be a similar thing happening. And that's what we're all waiting for. So the IMF uh, program, the 2023 to 2026 schedule, is it in limbo? That's a question many are asking. So this is the breakdown for you. In 2023, we're supposed to get $1.2 billion out of that, we had only $600 million. Now, in 2024, we're supposed to be getting $720 million. That we do not know yet because uh, there's a backlog from 2023 already. We don't know when that is coming. And now, 2024. Now, in May, uh, so this is a breakdown of what we're supposed to get in 2024. In May 2024, we'll get $360 million. And then in November 2024, $360 another $360 million. So this is why this meeting is so crucial. Now, let's look at the expected uh, forex inflows for 2024 because all the things we're talking about and what happens at this meeting has a lot that will affect Bank of Ghana 
and it's uh, the inflows that is uh, the, the reserves that it can push into the economy to ensure that the city is performing better, the economy is doing well. So, if IMF uh, is supposed to give us 20, $720 million, World Bank is supposed to be giving us $420 million, and the fiscal space from external debt rework is supposed to give us $2.2 billion. Let me give you a breakdown of who is bring, uh, how much we are owing who and what this restructuring will do to our economy. So the almighty China, uh, we're holding $1.9 billion. That's how much we're owing uh, China. And then uh, the uh, Paris Club, we're owing $2 billion. Uh, multilateral uh, companies, we're owing $8.8 billion. In terms of euro bonds, we have $13.4 billion. And then the others, uh, we owe $3.8 billion. So tonight, we're looking at the impact on, I mean, of the restructuring, the external debt restructuring. We've talked uh, so much about the internal uh, 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 debt restructuring. We know how it's gone. We've done it uh, so many times so that we can... Uh, now it's the external restructuring, and that's where we're having challenges. Tonight, we'll break it down for you and look at the implications of what is happening right now. Joining me for this conversation is Professor Gottfried Bockman. He's an economist and a professor of finance at the University of Ghana Business School. Also joining me for the conversation virtually is Professor Williams Pepra. He's a professor of finance also at the Andrews University, Michigan. And I'm glad that I'll be joined by Yawapia Latte, who is a lawyer, He's a financial analyst and a partner at Deloitte Ghana. Let's have a conversation after this break. That's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Oh, chaos reigns! Yes! Back in the day, I was Ghana man. But something was missing until I found the one. HD Plus is not your regular free-to-air decoder. For a small fee, you get to experience great services and exciting world of content. Dial star 879 hash on your mobile phone and subscribe for as low as 290 CDs. This one is different. The images are five times clearer in HD picture quality. And I'm loving the feely-feely experience. Ah, HD Plus, I love you. But I'm still here. 
HD Plus for better. For less. That's right. Get your HD Plus decoder from any Electroland outlet or our dealer shops. Daddy, Daddy, this tank is big. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S I N T E S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. But it's further into spoiler. That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Can he tee up someone in red? And he goes to the who is the good? Ghana Jollof or Nigerian Jollof? Ghana Jollof has no co-equal. The smell alone. Oh my god. No, that's it. You took a lie, eh? Now they say to when they use Google Lens and then they go put on photo. You are I know lives in Tama every year we a give to you back, 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 back. We are talking about BET. I want to hear the face. be the goat, huh? My guy, him be the goat. Our choice of goats may differ in football, music, and jollof. Alumu Betis always brings us together. Alumu, experience greatness in every moment. <laughs> Drink responsibly. Not for sale to persons under 18. Not recommended to pregnant women. This advert is FDA approved. Crazy Risky. Wash it. All of a sudden, my voice is different. And when you try a call. Uh, Bama, bring me the honey whiskey. You know the one? Black Rock Whiskey. Honey Whiskey. Chale, honey near their frau. Black Rock Whiskey is strong. Now she tastes me as smooth. And it goes down easy. Uh, excuse me. Mm. <coughs> Bama, <laughs> bring my friend one Black Rock Whiskey. Black Rock Whiskey, blended with natural honey flavor. Hey, what's up? Bama. Black Rock Whiskey, Tabby, the feel is smooth, Nasno. Drink responsibly. Not for sale to persons under 18 years of age and not recommended for pregnant women. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Every day, people have money emergencies. Ma, I need my school fees emergency. Mommy chop money emergency. 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 Catch it. I'm your rent. Emergency. Now, there's a new emergency number in town. More money, more money, Charlie and enjoyment. At the top life we got. Dial star 770 hash for all your money emergencies and chop life. 
Dial star 770 hash for money emergencies and get easy and quick access to your money, loans, and other banking needs. Ecobank, the Pan African Bank. First Kite Group, a wholly owned Ghanaian company made up of First Kite Construction, First Kite Bitumen Processing, First Sky Commodities, Volta Serene Hotel, Serene Insurance, First Sky Energies, and Ferro Rural Bank. Warmly invite you to its 21st Thanksgiving service on the theme, The Faithfulness of the Lord Never Ceases, Lamentations. Thanks so much for joining me on uh, PM Express tonight. Uh, let me welcome three, all the three gentlemen, Professor Bokwin, Professor Pepora, and uh, Mr. Yaolati. Grateful for your time. Let me start with you, Professor Bokwin. Uh, we've been worried about the delay in inflows since November. And of course, we know that government kept assuring us, uh, government said it will come um, you know, in first week of December, and then it came to January, and all of that from the uh, finance ministry. As we speak, we still do not know if a cut-off date has been agreed on by our creditors. How important is this meeting to get into the next step as far as the IMF bailout is concerned? Yeah, uh, good evening to our cherished uh, um, viewers and listeners. Look, look it is very, very important we were all looking forward to this meeting. The reason is that when you design a program, the beauty of that program is your ability to translate it into actual implementation. Now, in, in translating it to actual, you need the resources, the financing. And that is why if you look at it in terms of balance of payment terms, the financing gap, has been estimated to be around $15 billion, spread over three years. Now, if you look at the financing arrangement under the program, the bulk of the financing is supposed to come from external creditors. In fact, if you look at the program, for the whole of 20, 
2023, we were expecting two point, approximately $2.5 billion by way of external relief, right, which supposed to show up the inflows. What is actually coming from the IMF is small relative to what is coming from external creditors. So you see that the ability of, of government together with the IMF and our development partners to translate the program into actual actually depends more on how, how the progress we make with our external debt restructuring. And that is why the whole thing is very, very important. And look, and if you look at the way the program has been designed, if you look at the universe of eligible bonds for available for restructuring, it's just $20 billion. And if you look at if you look at the relief that we expect from these creditors in the next three years, it's quite steep. That already tells you that this is not going to be a walk around the park. Okay. It's not going to it, 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 the, the approach that work with the domestic debt restructuring may not work with the external debt restructuring. Then you also want to just oppose all of this within the context of the ongoing geopolitics and geoeconomic fragmentation, U.S. versus um, China versus the West and the rest of them. Remember, there are those who believe that in the last 25 years or so, China has colonized Africa or developing countries through debt and trade diplomacy, right? And therefore, the, the, the suspicion is that this whole G20 common framework is more or less designed to free Africa or developing countries from uh, from from the influence or bondage to let's say China, right? Remember the word bonds and bondage are from the same family word. Is that okay? So so that is the understanding. So to the extent that from the onset, the IMF, the World Bank, or the multilateral institutions decided to exclude their debt from the universe of eligible bonds already sends a certain signal, right? And that tells you how China is going to look at this whole thing and the rest of them. So perhaps the strategy, I'm not too sure government overall strategy in all of this, right? And I believe that we need to take another look. So uh, uh, there's going to be some level of challenge because the level of relief that we expect from external creditors is quite, is quite huge, right? It's quite huge. Unlike... Then look at Ghana's proposal. That, this is the other thing you need, we should bear in mind. Let's look at Ghana's proposal on the table relative to what turned out in the case of Zambia, Chad, Sri Lanka, and the others in terms of how China had dealt with some of these countries in terms of their indebtedness to China. And the rest, you see the variation. You see the variation. Then that tells you that it's going to be quite hard, right, to, 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 to have your way when you have such debt parameters that perhaps. And then again, you want to narrow this whole thing to the debt sustainability analysis. And here, I'm talking about the framework. Look, if you remember, somewhere last year, we said that the cut-off date the IMF has chosen for Ghana to reach debt sustainability by 2028 is quite steep. And that is going to be quite difficult for the creditors to come to the table because what it means is that the level of haircut that they have to take will be a bit, will be a bit more. So we have proposed that it would have been a bit more okay to look at it in terms of extending the cut-off date, right, which again would have implications for the level of relief that we need to make and the rest of them. Then again, government also didn't help itself because if you look at the level of fiscal adjustment, especially from the point of expenditure, it's, it's not that huge, right, because government didn't want to internalize the austerity but rather wanted to, to do what we call burden transfer to creditors. And look at what is playing out. 
Okay, so well, that that's not surprising. But we're hoping that 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 this meeting was going to be quite helpful because remember, if you look at the program by 2023, we're supposed to get uh, 1.2 billion dollars from the IMF. We've already gotten. Um, um, uh, 600 million. 600 million is outstanding. We're supposed to get more than 300 million dollars from the World Bank and the rest of them. So all of these are outstanding. And that tells you that, yes, we are implementing the IMF program. But of course, given that all these reliefs have delayed, has implication for how well the effective can, the program can go. And if, or if we don't make significant progress within the next three weeks or so, then to some extent we can see that the program may achieve limited effectiveness. Mm. But Professor Prepar, but why has agreeing on a date become a problem? Thank you very much and good evening to your viewers. Um, Happy New Year. I mean, um, as Prof mentioned, um, this date is very important because it's going to show at what level or what burden or let me put it, what cut any of the external parties will have to take. So if the decision is to accept the November 2022 date, it has its own implication vis-a-vis the G20 framework approach in 2020. So each party involved is taking a position that will benefit them. And that is why we are seeing this kind of delay. Um, most, uh, like in the case of these external um, 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 creditors, they don't want to take too much cut, haircuts, in their, on their principles, and also going to affect the kind of interest reven- uh, generation they will get. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the case of China, for instance, you know, um, in the Chinese case, where we have the 1.9 billion, um, some of these transactions that we have, we, we have used some collaterals like bauxite, like gold, like cocoa as support. So if you are going to set a cut-off date, is it going to affect that agreement and will it affect what they are expecting from us if we fail to um, make the payment? Um, the Eurobond holders, I mean, they probably may understand because they understand the sovereignty risks. But also, they are also playing it very safe. They don't want to take too much of a hit. So that is why we, this issue of the cut-off dates has become a major, major, major discussion. And um, it takes both parties to be able to work on something that probably will, will, will be very will work well for each, each, each partner. And so if you ask me, though the cut-off date is very important, um, Ghana as our position may also have to go with the value in mind. We want to try and get a 5.4 billion uh, reduction in terms of how much we owe these parties. Probably, I don't know the kind of simulation inside the, um, the our ministry have done to see which date will really help them to achieve that kind of um, figure. And if not, as as we mentioned, we it will be very difficult to achieve the debt sustainability levels by 2028, and it means that we may have to review our program um, going forward. And that's what many are scared about. I mean, a further delay, the implications on the economy, especially the currency. I mean, w- w- how dangerous is this? I mean, this is very very. You see, 
the whole issue for us going to IMF or uh, is our balance of payment. Uh, it's going. We do a lot of international trade, all right. We on on surface on, on paper, um, import exports. I mean, it's positive, but when it comes, we bring in our loan servicing. We will not have the foreign currencies to make those payments. And that is why we've been talking about how to improve our balance of payment. And simply, um, for we say, how are we going to get the foreign currencies in to be able to service these exposures? So if you are unable to get an agreement or on haircut, a haircut or a reduction in, in how much we owe these external parties, it means that Ghana may have to go and look for more foreign currencies to be servicing these, these debts. And the implication is that it's going to devalue our currency very often. Um, I just saw a trend. Um, last week, the Forex Bank of Ghana posted 11.441 to, 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 to the CD. Today, they've posted averagely 11.84. So just a signal effect of a, a Probably a day delay have seen a jump in the in the devaluing of our currency. So the more it delays, our currency will, will, will suffer drastically, and that is why we are trying to prevent. And if our currency our currency devalues very, I mean, to a point that it's going to affect businesses in the country. Cost of living already is not is unbearable, and it's going to worsen the situation. And this is an election year also. So this particular discussion. Probably we may have to find a way to go about it and get it done. I I want I want to say well, you know, government mentioned to us they have they have a team that were leading the negotiation. All this time we have not heard anything about them. We really don't know what is really going on. So the question is, when we said that we were doing the negotiation, who were we talking to? Uh so these are some of the factors. Did we go to sleep? That is why we're having these challenges. Because when we failed at the first time in having the meeting, probably we, uh, I'm sure they could have sent some people around to talk to these partners to, to be able to understand our need to have this kind of restructuring to be able to ensure um, our debt sustainability levels. This is certainly a question that government must provide answers to. And, of course, the bit about elections, because we know how things get during elections. Businesses want to stay in business, so they want to uh, import a lot of goods. or uh, So that means that they will need a lot of dollars and all of that. We'll get to that. But let me bring in Ms. Alati. You want uh, government, I mean, one of the things you seek to uh, see from government is for government to make a promise to the accreditors that this will be their last call for debt relief. I mean, what difference will that make? Yeah, thank you very much. I think we are having a challenge hearing you, Ms. Alati. Can you reposition so that we, we, we get... Okay, so let's try once more and see if there's some clarity there. Okay, um, so is it better? Can you better, hear me? yes, it's better now. 
Yes. So, as you recall, for the IMF program, we it was advised that Ghana should seek a debt relief of about $10.5 billion to be able to reach debt sustainability. That represents, or that will take us to a, a debt relief ratio of about 55%. Uh, as we speak, uh, per the budget statement that was presented, our debt GDP ratio was about 66%. We are on the path of doing what we call turnaround, but we are not there yet. And we have been given a lot of assurance to our external creditors, including the IMF itself, that we are on the path of reaching macroeconomic stability. Uh, why do I say that? Let's recall about the three or four points that took us to the IMF. The first one is our low revenue base. The second is our high debt levels. And then the third is our slowdown in fiscal consolidation or budget deficit that was widened. So the first one, our low revenue base. We have passed some tax uh, laws or some revenue measures. That has not seen the light of day. We did an e-levy, we passed some appropriation bills, but then we didn't realize the returns on them. Secondly, we also tried to uh, solve our problem of slowdown fiscal consolidation. But as you see, year on year, we keep reporting significant budget deficits. Budget deficit for 2023 was 50 billion Ghana cities. Budget deficit for the 2024 budget is another 50 billion Ghana cities. So we have not given a lot of assurance to our external creditors that we are on the path of achieving fiscal consolidation and being the position to our service our debt. Beyond this, there, there's also risk. As you can see, international rating agencies, apart from uh, Moody's and then SMP, which continue to rate Ghana as restricted default. So if you go to the table, meeting our external creditors, we should be able to give them the right assurance that, well, we are back to the table, but we have a plan to service our debt. One of them is that Going forward, any additional debt that will be uh, sought will be used for productive purposes or will be used for productive in the productive sector of the economy. Secondly, we have outlined a plan to consolidate some of our external debt. We have a lot of new bonds that have been issued. And I'll give you an example of how uh, uh, Zambia went about their debt restructuring. So they had a lot of new bonds, but they consolidated them into two main ones. So there was one that was maturing in about 15, 20 years another one, another 30 years. And they got external creditors to sign on to these new bonds with new terms. But then that came with certain conditionalities. One of them was that they had to pass a new Loans and Guarantees Act. That required that for every loan that is stopped, there is a definite use for the loan. We have borrowed in the last six years about 10 to 12 billion, uh, 12, 10 to 12 billion dollars in euro bonds. The question is, what have we used it for? Have we invested in the productive sectors of the economy? If we have, our debt GDP ratio should have been reducing as we are investing in productive sectors of the economy. Unfortunately for us, the reverse was happening. The more we borrowed, the more our debt GDP ratio was increasing. That means we are not investing the money in the productive sectors of the economy. So first, government should be able to assure the external creditors that one, we are addressing our revenue problem. We should quickly accelerate the appropriation bill. We have gotten the budget approved with the sort, but what follows after that is that we ensure that the bills are passed and the taxes are enacted so that we start collecting the revenues. Things like property rates, things like all the import levies that we have introduced. If we start collecting the money, 
you'll be able to assure our creditors that we are making money or we are exercising revenue. The second issue is to ensure that we are reducing our budget deficit. We can't continue to budget, uh, budget deficit year on year. That doesn't give a lot of assurance. We should be on the path of reducing our budget deficit. And the risk for us this year, as you rightly mentioned, is the fact that we are in election year. Apart from the year 2004, all election years we have gone in excess of what we budgeted for. We have passed a fiscal responsibility act that requires government to uh, have a budget deficit of 5% or less. Post-COVID, we have consistently budgeted or exceeded that budget deficit. We have suspended that cap. And so we are not nowhere close to the 5% of GDP. That is something that we should work towards. Until we are able to address all these challenges, I think um, our external creditors should be quite cautious and skeptical in signing on to new debt agreements with us. A, a, a long-term plan for servicing Ghana's debt. That's quite an interesting uh, angle you're bringing. Uh, we want to look at how government can go about this because it, it doesn't really look straightforward. But let me bring in Professor Bokming. I mean, we're all talking about elections, just like Professor Pripa mentioned and uh, corroborated by uh, Mr. Lati. I mean, it's during election year where there'll be a lot of demand for foreign currencies, especially the dollar for trade purposes. And this means more CDs for dollars, which will then lead to a price shoot. And because infl inflation is already a bit on the high side, the Bank of Ghana may be unable to meet forex demands and which will create a situation where inflation will be difficult to control this could lead to the country actually losing all the gains that we've made and may put all the gains from imf we are to enjoy in disarray are you worried about this situation yeah worried but not unexpected okay this is this is Ghana we are talking about, isn't it? <laughs> so it's not like another country, okay? So and I agree with Professor Fepra. Let me let me give you an example. Twenty sixteen election, we were under an IMF program. That program kicked in from April third, twenty fifteen. Within the first year of implementation, we made some progress. Then we used the election year, which was twenty sixteen, effectively to reverse the gains that we had made within the first year of implementation. So when we're done with the 2016 elections, the program was practically off. We were off target. So to bring the program back, we needed to extend. And that is why the 16th IMF supported program, instead of ending in 2016, it ended in 2019, April 2019. Okay, now, if you look at government posture, right, it already tells you that some considerable level of fiscal slippages is to be expected next year. Remember, politicians don't joke with an election. For now, we haven't seen anything. But the second half of this year, nobody manages anything, right? And you see, the government will dribble the IMF. We did it to them in 2016 and the rest of them, okay? So in almost all the competitive election years that we've had, probably under the Fourth Republic, maybe with the exception of 2004, because of also APEC relief, multilateral debt relief initiative, and also the 2004 election was largely predictable. When the outcome of the election is largely predictable, the incumbent doesn't overspend to win over the electorates. But in all the competitive elections, you can look at 2000, 2008, 2012, 2016, 
and then also 2020, you could see the fiscal slippages. In fact, if you do the calculation, if you do the econometric analysis, we are getting almost 2.5% of GDP in fiscal slippages in the election year compared to the, the prior year or so. And then once we do that, we undermine the fundamentals of the economy, and then we have to now rebuild again. And that is why if you check almost all our budgets, after almost all the major elections we've had, it's been fiscal consolidation. We haven't moved beyond that. Macroeconomic stability, uh, fiscal discipline, sensible monetary policy in between elections. Then we use election period effectively to undermine that. But also bear in mind, the other thing to look forward to is that in an election year, right, it's not all negative. It, it, in the second half of this year, you will see the bedroom economy moving into the mainstream economy, okay. right? So the politicians who have stacked money for their elections, mostly held in dollars, they will start spending. They will start moving it out, right? So you will see some kind of link between the bedroom economy and the former financial system to the black market. Remember that as well, as a country, we've not been able to eliminate black market because the black market is an interface between the former financial market and an underground economy driven by corruption. In any country where there's corruption, it's very difficult to eliminate the black market because that is the interface. And that is why a lot of the places where you can find black markets, probably in front of police stations, probably at prime areas, right? And, and they do business, maybe under the protection of the state and the rest of them. So I spread that, but overall, the damage that that will cause to the economy is, is quite high, and that is what we should be mindful of. But let's also bear in mind, right, in all of these things, there are negative news coming out of the country, which in itself does not help with the debt restructuring discussions. Mm. We can talk about revenue losses, right? In the last two weeks or so, it's been SML, is that not so? Mm-hmm. And then, so if you look at all these things, it tells you that this is a country that is actually not serious about putting eight house in order. And it's just, it's like a sport child who just misbehaves and thinks that the, the parents being the donor partners or the uh, creditors will just show up suddenly, cancel your debt. It's not going to be that easy. Remember, China itself, after so many years of, 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 of engagement with the continent, is 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 kind of, Reversing some of its policies now in terms of the level of loans and the rest of it that they've been they've been given. So if these countries are equally going through challenges, remember how much debt relief you require from China, from France, and the rest of them is is taxpayers' money. Is that taxpayers' money? It's like it's free money sitting somewhere, and the rest of them. So I think as a country, yes, in addition to progress that we can make, let's learn to live responsibly as adults. As a country that has gained independence, maybe for the past sixty-six years or so, most of the things that we do, actually, if you uh, if your creditors hear all of that, it will help you. Look, not long ago, just December, Bank of Ghana had a cocktail over an inflation of twenty-six point four percent. We are sitting on coupons of creditors. Is that okay? And we are having a cocktail. We have turned the corner. Oh, really? So our the message we put across. Our, our body language, our lifestyle, does it support what the proposal that we put on the table? That's very, very important. Okay. And how, how are we aligning our strategies? Uh, Mr. Pialati spoke about it, revenue generation and the rest of them. How are we blocking the leakages? We are still talking about exemption. Look at the exemption document that went to parliament. Millions of cities. 
and the rest of them. So I think that let's sit back. What is the strategy? What is the strategy? What is the communication strategy? What is the technical strategy? What is the master strategy? How how are all these things pointing to a certain discussion that allows us to get the level of relief that we needed from our external creditors? Mm. Uh, Prof, Prof is making a very uh, important point. And if you look at all of this put together, that is where you bring in the investor bid because definitely it has everything to do with investor confidence. Let me take a break on PM Express. When I return, we'll be looking at how this will affect investor confidence and how Ghana can put together a long-term plan of actually dealing with debt uh, paying off its debts, as uh, Yao uh, Latte has been suggesting. I'll be right back. All my life you have been faithful. First Guide Group, a wholly owned Ghanaian company made up of First Guide Construction, First Guide Bitumen Processing, First Sky Commodities, Volta Serene Hotel, Serene Insurance. First Sky Energies and Ferro Rural Bank warmly invite you to its 21st Thanksgiving service on the theme, The Faithfulness of the Lord Never Ceases, Lamentations Chapter 3, verse 22 to 23. The Thanksgiving service in two parts will be hosted by the founder and executive chairman, Mr. Eric Sedi Kutocha. Friday, January 12, 2024, all night from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. at the Trinity Temple Assemblies of God Church, TTAG Community Center, Ministry in Word. Reverend Mark Sese, National Missions Director, Assemblies of God, Sierra Leone, Reverend Sujit Alex, Thames North Area Leader, Assemblies of God, UK, Sunday, January 14th, 2024, Thanksgiving service at the main auditorium of the Accra International Conference Center at 10 a.m. Guest speaker, Most Reverend Dr. Paul Kwabena Boafo, Presiding Bishop, the Methodist Church, Ghana. Special guest of honor, the Chief Justice, Her Ladyship, Mrs. Gertrude Araba Esabasaki Tokomo. Ministering in music will be Team Eternity and others. Also in attendance will be His Eminence, Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams, Reverend Dr. Stephen Yanusam Wengam, General Superintendent, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Professor Paul Frimpon Mansu, Immediate Past General Superintendent, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Dr. Silvanos Amagashichi Elon, Head Pastor, Trinity. Temple, Assemblies of God, Ghana, Reverend Mark Sese, National Missions Director, Assemblies of God, Syria Liu, Reverend Sujit Alex, Thames North Area Leader, Assemblies of God, UK, Apostle Professor Kojo Ninfo Opoku Onina, Reverend Dr. Lawrence Tete, Reverend Eastwood Anaba, Reverend Dr. Joyce Ai, Reverend Eddie Annan, Assemblies of God UK and other senior clergy. For more details, contact 020-854-3441 or 050-148-2580. It's the First Sky Group 21st Thanksgiving service. Don't miss it.
Welcome back to PM Express. Let me mention to you that PM Express is sponsored by Syntex Tanks. It is strong. It is tough. Alomo Bitters experience greatness in every moment. Ghana AIDS Commission. Syntex Tank, no matter your water needs, Syntex Tank has it all. Syntex Tank is first to introduce double layer tank and now you can have as many layers as you want. Syntex Tank is first to introduce white inner layer tanks in Ghana. We now introduce to you the customer specs order, which lets you order any color and size of preference. Syntex Tank gives you the longest warranty of seven years, which no other tank gives you in Ghana. So whatever your water consumption, size of project, or demand, choose Syntex Tank. We have agents nationwide. Call Syntex Tank on 244 or shop online at SyntexGH. Dot com Syntest Tank, a eh, strong, a eh, tough. Welcome back, gentlemen. Let me bring uh, Professor Pepra and uh, start from where we ended with uh, Prof. Bokmin. Now, we definitely can't rule out the investor confidence bit because a delay which will lead to economic instability will definitely create negativity, which will scare investors, correct? Yeah. So, um, I'm sure at the moment, every anyone who's an investor, be it an international investor or a local investor, uh, may be considering the five main fundamental uh, risks that we know in finance. Um, this is an election year, so the first one that will be on the table is a political or country risk. There's that kind of uncertainty whether the current government will win the election or um, they will lose the election. This may cause a major change in direction or, or, of, of the country's um, economic situation. Um, the other risk that um, will be considered is a financial risk, which you already are aware. Interest rate is very high. Difficult for um, indiv- uh, investors to be able to raise money within um, the country. It, it will cost more. If an outsider is bringing in any kind of um, funding or foreign direct investment to invest in Ghana, the consideration of exchange rate risks is also a major factor. Um, also, the, when we say exchange rate risks, uh, whether we'll be able to uh, see the devalues, what happens to their investment in Ghana. Then also the liquidity risks, if they want to repatriate their funds outside the country, Will our central bank have the foreign currency for them to be able to um, send the money back? And then the, finally, the um, the business risks. Already, the business environment is um, is has been saddened with a lot of taxes. Uh, we know that the the environment is not very conducive for 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 for, for business because government is borrowing and is crowding out funding for for businesses. So. Any investor, after looking at these risks elements that I've mentioned, may decide to probably wait and see what will happen after 2024. Uh, which means that in 2024, our foreign direct investment may not come in as we normally expect. We, we, a signal that came up with our cocoa syndication loans. You see, if you look at, at the pattern of our cocoa syndication loans, Normally, we will get about $1.5, $1.8 billion. By this time, we were not able to get that as we expected. Indeed, we, we even we, we, um, they said some local partners 
or financial institution have to step in to, to help. So this is already a signal effect that points to all the risks I've mentioned that any investor, whether you want to give money to the government or support, support any kind of business in the country, will be going through some analysis that, that will focus on these risks. And at this particular moment, as we find our country, um, already we, 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 we are at a point we are not able to service our loans or uh, which will put us in a very bad uh, position. And there is this election coming in. So investors' confidence will be very low. Mm. So this is, is will be the nutshell. And if it will come up, we expect investors' confidence picking up after the election. And probably if they see that the, the any government, any party that wins the election gives a clearer picture of servicing any interest or loans that we owe to external creditors, and probably making sure that the, the business environment is conducive and there's um, the issue of liquidity risks and exchange rate risks have been able to be, um, um, come to uh, probably manage it to a moderate level. So these are the major issues that I see that investors will be, will be thinking about now. Mr. Yaolate, in fact, you have expressed worry about this. How can we deal with the issue of investors losing confidence if we are unable to scale this wall? Mr. Latte? Okay, there, there seemed to be a problem with this connection. Uh, let me put the same question to you, uh, uh, Prof. Brockman. How can we deal with this uh, investor confidence problem that we are envisaging? Yeah, the sum are fundamental, and I agree with Professor uh, Pepra. Um, history is not on our side, right, because of how We've managed the fiscal space in almost all the competitive elections. Generally, it's not only in Ghana. Across Africa, in almost all the major elections, including Nigeria, Kenya, the rest of them, investors will mostly adopt wait-and-see attitude, right? And therefore, in terms of the level of influence, because they would want to see uh, what will happen before they commit. And even for those who come, they are likely to take short positions, Right, so that in, if anything happens, they can is, easily externalize their, their investment. So that, that is quite real. But I think what we need to do right now is a certain level of, of assurance and updates. You know, in all this debt restructuring, there hasn't been a regular update. And therefore, there's some level of speculation going on there that is not good. And all of that are also crystallized within the context of negative news. To investors, negative news exert greater volatility in the market compared to positive news of the same magnitude. So it's important that government is, is, is rather operating ahead of the curve. Now they are behind the curve, and that is not good enough. I think there, there's been a lot of things that, that have happened. Some may be positive, but it's important that the government is engaging and updating uh, uh, the market quite quite regularly. Um, also, the risk, and you see, what is happening on the ground and what is government is saying, they are not the same. They don't tally. I'll give you an example. If you look at the secondary market with the new bonds, if you look at the yield in the secondary market, it's almost at the same level as the old bonds before the restructuring. Right? So that tells you that even though we have restructured our debt and the rest of them, the way even local investors perceive government in terms of the risk, really hasn't uh, moderated that too much. Which tells you that there's still a lot of headwinds 
that uh, lies ahead that we have to claim. You can also align that also with the position of the central bank as a technical institution, right? With all the turning around of the corner and the rest of them, we still have the policy rate at 30%. Is that okay? So that tells you that we, there are uncertainties, headwinds that perhaps we need to manage. But I believe that um, we don't have a choice. We have to scale the wall. It's not like we have a choice to do other, uh, otherwise or so. But what is important now is for is for the level of assurance that I think Mr. Lati spoke about that. The level of assurance that we have to give to creditors, we have to be able to uh, navigate our way through this external debt restructuring. Remember, this is just one leg. We are just talking about external bilateral. Okay, when when we are done with that one, then we can also talk about external commercial. Here we are talking about what euro bonds and the rest of them. But the context, the strategy, is very very important, and I think government needs to communicate also. If we have to provide a long plan of servicing our debt, how should we go about it? It will not work. <laughs> okay, it's not a case. How right? so? We are- we have very, very short-term uh, short-termism, right? Um, and we, look, go to Ministry of Finance websites. You will see our debt management strategy okay. and all of that. Let me tell you, we just don't follow it. You know, sometimes we get a bit emotional about it, but let me give you the evidence. When we left the 16th IMF program in April 2019, even Ministry of Finance had done their own internal debt sustainability analysis and concluded that Ghana had breached liquidity thresholds mm-hmm. and we were on our on the way to breach solvency uh, uh, threshold. We did not respect those analyses. We have technical people at the Ministry of Finance, technical people at the at, at Bank of Ghana, and they, who are doing serious things in the interest of this country. But the political economy will not listen. They will not follow. If you examine our debt management strategy, actually from 2015, and again, you can't take the credit totally away from uh, what Setekwe and the others started from 2015 all the way through 2016, of course. Then they left and the rest of them. If we were to follow the strategy, walk our talk and talk our walk, it will be here. The whole issue is that we just don't listen to advice. Okay, the political economy is very strong and they create problems for the technical side that to come and correct. That's the whole thing. Otherwise, we have we have a strategy. It's not like Ghana doesn't have a strategy. We have a medium-term strategy and the rest of them. We will just not follow it. Well, we, we definitely have to scale the wall, like you mentioned. And also, there are questions that uh, government needs to provide answers uh, for us. Uh, because all this while that they said they were negotiating, Professor Pippa says, what were they doing? They need to provide those answers. And um, uh, in the day, it's coming days, those are questions we'll be putting to government. I'm grateful, gentlemen, for uh, joining me for this discussion. Professor Bokmin, Professor Pippa, and Mr. Yao Lati. Thank you so much for watching. Enjoy the rest of our programs.